0: Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. Good evening, everyone. Great to be here. So um, tonight's kind of a fun night. Um recently I took a trip to Guatemala and um I went on a special kind of retreat called a darkness retreat. And um tonight I'm going to share with you a bit about my retreat. It's uh it was a 7-day retreat in darkness. And I thought that um, you know sometimes uh, Buddhist dharma talks they can um, be lists of factors of enlightenment or something like that, in different teachings. And I thought tonight what would be really fun and interesting and kind of a challenge for me would just to be um, just to tell my story, tell the story, and um, in a more intimate way, as though we're all friends and we all know each other and, um, kind of bring it into the room as though we can all, um, join in the journey together. The, the journey for me was so archetypal in a way that I I thought that actually we could all in some way relate with it. So I will, um, share a bit, and then open up the field for any questions or comments or dialogue, and we can just see where it takes us. So um, I thought maybe I'd just share a little bit about this theme of darkness retreats. Um, I grew up in the Vipassana tradition with my father at Spirit Rock, And I found my way over time um, gravitating toward the Tibetan tradition of Buddhism, um, also known as the Vajrayana tradition. And the Vajrayana tradition is um, very much a a yogic style of Buddhism, which really places a lot of emphasis on the body and the sacredness of the body and the path uh, of awakening as being an embodied experience. And with that in mind, um the Tibetan monks and the Tibetan lamas um there's the monastics and then there's uh, a whole tradition of yogis, the yogis that would go into caves, the yogis that would go into the hills and really go deep into the heart of stillness and silence and in this case darkness. So, um, I had heard lore of darkness retreats for some time um, from my teacher Reggie, Reggie Ray, who is the founder of the Dharma Ocean Sangha in Colorado. And he talked a lot to our sangha about, well, someday, uh, you'll get to go on darkness retreats. And when you go into darkness retreats, you'll, you'll, you'll have an experience. The traditional uh, darkness retreat in the Tibetan tradition is 49 days. Yeah, a 49-day retreat. And the idea with the 49-day retreat, Tibetans, uh, it's its a specific number. If um, you read the Tibetan Book of the Dead, 49 days is traditionally the amount of time that the soul or the formless mind stream has between uh, the time of death, the time that the consciousness leaves the body, and then uh, there's a kind of formless intermediate state called the bardo. And supposedly that's a 49-day cycle. And then um, if we're still on our journey, then we will move on to some other realm of form or formlessness or come back as another human being or another life form. But the Tibetans believe that actually this time when the consciousness is not in a body is a very, very rich and precious time. And so the um, the darkness retreat is a way of um, entering a kind of formless state where... Normally, our consciousness is so oriented outward onto objects of sensory experience. So the lights, a person. And so we're kind of always projecting our mind onto something. And in the darkness retreat, what happens is we're in a container where we just don't have that luxury. We don't have that thing for our mind really to project onto. There's not much there. We are in the darkness, we're in the space and we're with ourselves. And that's where the journey begins and ends is the journey of being in the space and merging with the space and um, connecting deeper and deeper into the nature. Well, what is the nature of the space itself? So um one thing I just I love this uh it's very inspiring for me uh a Tibetan lama named Tolko Organ, he said that if you could actually uh, be completely present in awareness at the for about 20 minutes at the time of your death and just rest in the in the pure clarity and the clear awareness of your experience that at that time there wouldn't be anything to the mind if the mind didn't project onto anything else and was just able to relax and open and dissolve into that the basic space, that there wouldn't be any movement anywhere else and that it's kind of like the image would be like a child just sort of jumping into the lap of the mother. There's just a sense of total relaxation into that. So the the kind of the view of the training is that the darkness retreat is a way of training for this, this time, this time of leaving the body, and it's a way of being in a kind of abstract space, an open space, so that if and when, and actually it will be when, that happens to us, we're, we're ready to go. We're, we're enjoying the process, and we can really relax in that moment. That's a kind of you know it's a it's a tall order in some way, and I just thought, well, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. So I think I want to share about my experience, um, just sort of three levels of experience. There's the out, sort of outer level of like what happened, what was the container and the logistics, and then more of the inner level is the, uh, like the emotional journey and the adventure of this mind in the space. And then um, I wanted to talk a little bit about the kind of the innermost level, the the very last couple days, um, some of the interesting mm, kind of phenomenon that happened in that time, kind of the innermost awareness levels that were really... Um, impactful for me. So um, just on the outer level, um, the retreat center, it was a Hindu retreat center called the Mahadevi Ashram. And it's in this really incredible power spot. um, Lake Atitlan, which is uh, a sacred lake in Guatemala and it's surrounded by, by volcanoes. And it's a Mayan power spot where there's just, you, when you're there, there's a sense of incredible energy and power and synchronicity. And this is a, a Hindu ashram. Um, two devotees of Amachi um, created a kind of like a solar eco-village and um, just a really lovely place with um, a garden uh, just like kind of a garden of eden and um, you know inexpensive and and rustic and yet like very beautiful very so much uh, dignity and um, sacredness put into the whole structure of the place and um, they built an earth dome they built this dome um, i would say it's 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 not very big it's Um, probably 15 feet in diameter, and um, sacks of um, earth just stacked around each other in concentric circles with a covering of plaster over it, just very rugged kind of space. And um, it's really interesting that they figured out how to do the windpipes so that it just stays, like there's always air circulated through the dome, and um, it stays like a very consistent temperature, so it's a, it's a like maybe 65 degrees, and um, you hear just the hum of the, the wind all the time in the background. And other than that, it's got everything you need. You have a bed, um, if you want to sleep in the loft, you can, and I chose to sleep on the ground, but it's got a bed and a place to store your clothes and um, shower, sink, um, a shrine. And there's a little spot where three meals a day someone will come and slip the food through at 8 a.m., 1 p.m., and 8 uh, p.m., And so you hear the sound, the rustling of someone slipping your tea and your rice and doll through the slot and ring the bell, and that's it. That's the entertainment for the day. (laughs) That's it. And um, you can also, so there's a space holder, and my my space holder was just an incredible uh, young woman who had a really really created a space of uh, kindness and awareness, and there was really a sense of being held very well by this the space holder. You can take a moment and actually feel that. Yeah, there was just a sense of so much uh, in prayer and intention that had gone into holding this space, and uh, so far uh, over the last two years, about fifty people have gone into the space, and um, so you really do feel a presence in this space, and um, that's kind of the setup. Is just that you have everything you need, and really. The, um, the only practice is to relax and enjoy whatever comes up to trust your experience. So that was the question I had. I, I posted it to the Facebook world before I uh, went in. I, I, just, I had this quote. I said, well, how much do you trust your own mind? How much are you ready to let go and drop in and see what happens? And I thought that um, in going into the retreat, there was a, really a sense that the moment that I clicked the PayPal and um, offered the money, it was like suddenly, like you're on the the roller coaster, you're clanking up, <laughs> ratcheting up, and you know you're about to to go over the edge and off to somewhere. So there was a uh, my good friend is in the front row. There was a there was a build up over months. Uh, just this building sense of like, well, what is going to happen in this space? So you arrive, I arrived in the evening time and um, kind of said goodbye to the rest of the world. And you the, you can i had my flashlight there's one time you get to see the dome and really arrange everything you get to put everything where you want to and then you light a little candle and you say your intention you make your prayer and when you blow out that candle that's it you are in you are doing Stevie Wonder for a week <laughs> You're in Stevie's world after that. So, so um, and, you know, and just uh, logistically, it's not really that. Ho- you know, on the one hand, it's you're doing everything. You can't after that. You can't see your own hand. So you're doing everything. It's not hard, but it's not easy. You have to. You just kind of know where your stuff is. And um, but it's also kind of humbling to move around and you don't know where your stuff is sometimes or. If, you get lost uh, in in somewhere, then you have to come back and really feel what's there. So I would say that's that's kind of the outer level of it. I want to just pause and see if anyone has a question or anything before I go on. you the only one on this retreat? It's just one dome with just you in it? Mm-hmm, yeah. So you can go for um, the minimum time is... Two days, I think. Two or four days. And then it goes up to... Someone's going in for three months soon. So, yeah. Yeah, there's a toilet. So there's a toilet and there's a solar shower and there's a sink. Yeah, it's... it's There's nothing. Yep. That's the idea. So how did you organize your time in the darkness? Well, that brings us to the... The next stage in the journey, so um, that 's kind of the outer level tibetans like this theme of outer inner secret, so inner level um, is really like the psychological journey how to, how to relate with this space. I want to read this quote by Carl Jung. There is no coming to consciousness without pain. People will do anything, no matter how absurd, in order to to avoid facing their own soul. One does not become enlightened by imagining figures of light, but by making the darkness conscious. So in, I had done a little bit of research on Darkness Retreat going in. And the sense that I got, I, I listened, there's a great podcast by my teacher Reggie. You can Google Reggie Ray Darkness Retreats. But there was this one line that Reggie uh, said in the podcast that really got through to me. He said, uh, with darkness retreats, the thing about darkness retreats is that there's no breaks. And the way I actually took that in two different ways, on the one hand there's no breaks, like there's no breaks between sessions, and then on another level there's just no breaks on the car, So wherever you're at on the journey, there's just a sense of the journey. It just keeps on going. And I'm saying this just so you can just kind of start to wrap your mind around like what this is like. If you want to, you could even try listening with your eyes closed. That might be fun. But um, I, I thought I would bring and um, just kind of mention a little bit about these different phases. When I look back. Um, over the time, it all kind of blends together, and yet there's there is these there's these thematic waves and chapters that came through. So I wanted to just kind of bring you through some of my experience of this this time. So the first the first phase of the journey, uh, I, I called sleep forever. And, you know, there's just this sense of, like, suddenly being in this dark womb, this, this cosmic womb that I had no idea what it was, yet, and yet it feels safe. And finally I can catch up on the sleep that I've been missing out on for the last 15 years. <laughs> And actually, uh, what was really amazing was I looked online afterwards and there's a Taoist teacher, Montauk Chia, he's a Qigong master and he also leads darkness retreats. And he said he called the first three days uh, three days of internal darkness and sleep therapy. During the three days, he he says this, during the three days, um, one has a chance to catch up on all the lost sleep that has occurred over the last few years. Complete isolation from external light causes the pineal gland to flood the brain with the neurotransmitter melatonin. So uh, the beginning of the retreat was kind of like waking up in bed and you're comfortable and there's finally nowhere to go and you can just keep on hitting the snooze button. (laughs) So, um, you know, that's that's what I did for a long time. It just hit the snooze button over and over and over again. But at some point, you realize that you can't quite sleep through the whole retreat. (laughs) And um, that's what sort of brought me into phase two which i uh, would would call inner restlessness because in the first phase there's just this real hibernation there's a sense there's no light there's no sun there's so little stimulation on one level and so that part of the self that the my personality it's like it's just going into hibernation in some way but there's this other force below my, the personality that has a life of its own. And this force, it feels like it's really deep inside. It's somewhere really, uh, somewhere else, somewhere wild, somewhere unknown, uncharted. And it just starts to come out to play. There's this kind of like rustling, like I I felt like an animal, like a kind of wild animal starting to like... uh, feel that none of the humans were around anymore and um you know eventually you're on a meditation retreat and somehow the last thing I wanted to do was was sit and practice meditation but I figured I, I well I might as well practice meditation. <laughs> so I you know I would spend some time sitting by my shrine and you know practicing the instructions I'd been given but the interesting thing about this container is that as much as you know, I'm used to sitting for 45 minutes or sitting for an hour, there's no one to get you up, and there's no one to tell you to sit, and the, there's a kind of chaos in the space. There's, there's really nothing that's telling you what to do. There's no adult on duty. And um, at the same time, there's a quality of like you, uh, like I've just arrived, If you're landing in the space and although you finally made it to a safe place, what's still there is this like background speed. Because there's so much speed that I'm moving around, we're moving around with all day long, this cultural modern speed. And it's still going you know it's it's still in motion so what what um it's like these two opposing forces are are suddenly coming together there's the speed and there's the movement and the impulse to do something and then there's nothing to do and nowhere to go so between those two opposing forces um you're sandwiched i'm sandwiched in the middle and what's there is just these uh this this angst this existential anxiety and uh and deep energy core energy um coming to the surface kind of like ice icebergs, like the icebergs are starting to melt. And as those icebergs of kind of frozenness or numbness are melting, as the breath is opening through the body, there's just all of this energy coming to life. And at some point uh, sitting's not so interesting anymore. Um it's it's not really a question of interesting. It's just like how do how do how does one in uh in a junior in this process begin to hold all of the energy and so invariably um actually this was recommended to me it's period of uh sitting and then period of uh movement and and, and chanting and then period of sleep and just kind of rotating the cycles these three cycles and and I have to say, these sessions, uh, this kind of brings, goes into the third phase of the journey. This, this restless energy is coming to the surface, and then suddenly it's starting to become embodied more and more over the next um, day three, day four. And, and the, the movement starts to become very, very, very archetypal. Uh, there's this sense of the sleep, there's a period of sleep, and then a period of waking up, like this deeper inner consciousness waking up. So the sleep and the waking life start to just blend into one kind of landscape. And the really interesting thing about this landscape is no one's watching no one's you know even if i've been on retreat by my solitary retreat before and it's amazing to have the space but there's still a sense like you're watching yourself and in this situation with sometimes i'd have my eyes closed sometimes i have my eyes open but um especially sometimes with the eyes closed the the body wanted to Move wanted to open wanted to come to life in ways that had nothing to do with my what I thought was going to happen and so finally you know there 's no one watching, and you 're allowed to be as big as you are you're allow- i 'm allowed to just really let it out and um these very primal self-structures are finally getting their voice. They're coming to life. And uh, as Arpita, my space holder, said, she said, you know, it's your playground. You can just do whatever you want to do. And um, with that, the really interesting thing is, uh, on one level it felt really good to be in the authentic movement or the authentic expression but on the other level you could re- I could really feel this sense of my personality or just the hint of watching something or watching myself feeling like, ah, oh, that's too much, can't do that. So there's still this kind of sense of the control mechanism. And there's kind of this fluctuation back and forth between the real enjoyment and then the real shame or the pain in whatever it might be. I just wonder if I want to pause and just see if anyone has a thought or a question. You have a time structure with the Entertainment. I'm wondering, how, how does that affect all this open flow? Mm-hmm. Can you say it another way? Okay. Mm. Say it another way? hmm Well, uh, setting aside the food, image, I was thinking you are painting a picture of something that just kind of goes on and on and on, structureless, and you can do what you well, want. hmm Mm-hmm. that's kind of the saving grace <laughs> actually uh, I heard the, the guy before me in the dome uh, decided maybe it was the one before a couple of people before he decided that he didn't want the bell at the same time and so it could be rang at random times um, and another person before me decided to fast all week and so, there's lots of ways to do it. Yeah. It's interesting when you were describing the experience, I kept thinking, I had this feeling that something was watching you. And then you said, or I had a sensation that you were being filmed or something. And then I wondered if you were, I know you said you were chanting, but did you talk at all, or did you talk to yourself in you this silence? Yeah. Well, you know the thing. The the my first response is just the sense that the other piece is that it, because there's no light, it felt like there was really no extra. There's not a lot of extra room um, unless you had energy. There wasn't a lot of extra energy. So it just made it a little more like if it was happening, it was happening. And if it wasn't, it wasn't. And in my case, I didn't do a lot of talking. As I'm in this room, I'm imagining everyone having their own darkness retreat and seeing, you know, 60, 70 different darkness retreats. Every single person is going to have their own experience in the space. But... um, Yeah, I didn't have a lot of dialoguing. It wasn't, it wasn't that kind of retreat for me. The mm-hmm. other part of my thought was about the I've heard that journalists who were held captive in the college didn't say they were in pushy, lost their ability to form words because they weren't speaking with those people. So I guess I wonder about... I'll get to that. <laughs> Yeah, uh, there's, there's some over here on the side. What, what role did curiosity play? What role did curiosity play? Well, curiosity became more and more intense every day this is uh I think this is a great lead in to um, just the next part you know there's this quality of in the beginning just kind of falling asleep and kind of being in this kind of oblivion- k- uh, space and then waking up if you could imagine being like waking up but not as yourself but waking up and then you're coming to life, but it's another part of. The self that's coming alive—it's not from up here. It's from here. It's from all throughout your body. The life force is waking up, and the quality of the life force—the life force—is interested in the life force. the 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 energy is alive, and that. Uh, What I'm trying to say is my curiosity wasn't coming from my head. Um, But the more, one phenomenon that couldn't be neglected would be this phenomenon uh, known in Tibetan as the clear light. And the clear light was really the most remarkable aspect of this journey for me. there's a sense in the in Buddhist teachings uh, there's a lot of one main theme is emptiness, the emptiness of things, emptiness of the self and sometimes the talk about talking about or philosophy of emptiness can sound pretty uh, pretty empty, pretty like not much there, but what I found was that this process was a gradual Um, journey into relaxation and the more that I could relax my tension, the more that I felt um, emotions, really deep emotions come to the surface and as these emotions came to the surface it was kind of like a life review um, of especially in the heart, there was a a lot of uh, feeling in the heart, as I would breathe into the heart I would feel um, you know, times in my life where uh, I'd caused suffering, or had lost love, or wasn't really there in a way, and it was like it was like I went right back into that experience. And um, this journey, it was a, a a journey of purification that happened over the first f- five, six days. It was it got increasingly, increasingly strong and acute and. And painful, actually. Because there was a sense that normally that I you know, have something to distract myself with. Normally there was a quality of being able to clamp down when that experience got too intense. You know, and go for the food, or go for the Facebook, or go for whatever it is. Um, but without that, you know, the teachings, and the teachings that I had heard so much about over studying with Buddhist teachers, is let go and be present and trust your experience. But, and, but the more that I would relax, the more this pain, this pain body would show up, and the trauma, you know, at some point, the more that I would be breathing into my body and feeling into my heart, um, I started doing this kind of shaking this this really deep shaking started to come out of my body, this kind of frozen started to come out of my body. And I started, sh- I would shake for hours and hours and hours and hours, what felt like a really long time. But the interesting thing is that as this shaking was happening, it was like the space was working me in some way, like this very deep... Stillness was, it was a volcano of experience coming to the surface. You know, if you've seen the yin and the yang together, there's in the dark, there's the pearl of the light. So in the dark, we, I, one would think, well, the dark is dark. But the more that this shaking would move through, the more that the body, my body would start to open, and as I would breathe, the energy, the prana, would open. And there's a piece I want to read um, that's worth reading. Um, It's just a little bit of the science. So what opens then is the specifically is the pineal gland, is the third eye, and the energy along the spine. And um, there's this chemical uh, 5-MeO-DMT, which is a entheogenic chemical it's in ayahuasca one of the active compounds and so uh, Montauk Chia says this about the process um, days 6 through 8 at this stage the pineal gland starts to produce this neurohormone 5-MeO-DMT this is the psychoactive tryptamine this psychoactive tryptamine is highly luminescent it is also extremely phosphorescent due to the amount of phosphorine that it transmits onto the visual cortex. The neurotransmitter Akashan is normally only active when we are in the womb and in the first months of our lives. It is now reactivated in the dark room. 5-MeO-DMT switches on 40% more of the cerebral cortex and awakens the nervous system to become aware of itself beingness results Hence the possibility of metaprogramming the nervous system's biocomputer activating healing and conflict message assortment of the nervous system 5 meo DMT is empathogenic is the empathogenic neurotransmitter that expands the emotional body between infinity and zero It gives rise to telepathy in emotional and intuitive bodies. It engages the awakening of the flower of life in the spine, which begins to glow in a state of beingness and peace, compacting chi, consciousness, and awareness into the nervous system, working with the silent self and anchoring the immortal body. So, it was colorful. Um, no, I want to want to actually stay with that a little bit. There's... that that activates that. Oh, yeah. Do you want the... I, mean, I have a friend and daughters down in Bolivia doing an ayahuasca retreat. So this seems like maybe kind of a parallel experience, but a different route. Well, one of the things that... Um, yeah, one of the interesting things is that there's the, um, the consciousness. Uh, Tibetans have a, a really kind of sophisticated view of the nervous system and the subtle body. And there's a concept in Tibetan Buddhism known as the uh, timeless body or the indestructible body of clear light. And the view is that the more that the tension goes and the more that this the nervous system opens to this kind of space the more the sense of the boundaries of the body kind of slip away and there's this whole field of experience that's opening. And I wanted to just kind of, um, I think, segue right into this last piece along these lines. Yeah, you know, the thing that was really special about this container and um and really inspires me at this time is the teachings that on this uh the sacred nature of our nervous system. You know, you don't have to go on a darkness retreat even though I would recommend <laughs> it for anyone who wants to. Um But nonetheless, what really comes alive in the dark space is this, um, the vividness of the energy that's behind the tension in in our body. And, um, you know, what became really crystal clear was like, here's, I, I felt the first few days there was a lot of pain and there was a lot of just riding the energy of the pain and at some point around day six there was a subsiding there was a a really dramatic subsiding of pain in the body and as the pain would subside there's an opening of uh, space through the body and the space itself it just became very evident that the space itself um, you know, there's an inner feeling like in being in the space and seeing displays of light coming out of nowhere. And seeing, you know, thinking that almost it's like a trick trick of the senses that it's out there, the light's out there. But actually looking right back into the light and and really feeling, oh, this is this is my nature, this is our nature. And the light um, more and more and more, it felt like, oh, this light, this is joy. This light is joy. The light is love. The light is clarity. The light is confidence. All this, all different facets of the light. And the interesting piece for me was just that it had nothing to do with my personality. It has nothing to do with being a good or bad person. Just... um nature of the body when we don't when we're not tampering with it opening up so, so when you talked about pain did you mean more specifically psychic pain physical pain or both together both together ah, okay. yeah so maybe we'll just do a couple more questions and then we'll close for tonight uh, could you clarify about the space holder when you interacted with the space holder and... Mm -hmm. The space holder was kind of like the umbilical cord to the outer situation. And so whenever you wanted to, you could write a note and you just have to scribble it in the dark and you slip it through the slot. (laughs) Yeah, and then magically someone would speak. Yeah. And that was... Uh, that was a, a, a huge part of the journey. Was actually just feeling the support of the space holder, um, and the sense that actually, you, you know, you're not you're not by yourself. Although you can go lots of places in your own mind, in your own consciousness, uh, there's a much bigger field here. Yeah. Uh, so, it was a long experience of working through pain and opening. Mm-hmm. Was that. Uh, that fluctuate between you know, intense painful experiences as well as peace, you know, times of peacefulness and, and release? Or did it really have to. Did you have to get to the end of. or farther down the path to get. A, 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 you know, to where you really were experiencing the light yeah. and the openness? Uh, yeah, it was. Um how can I describe? There was a kind of like accordion effect for the for the first few days, where it's cycling through up and down through periods of really real enjoyment and then hitting the pain and then enjoyment and kind of cycling like that. But it started what how I would describe it is it started to get more and more steep. It started to kind of crescendo and get just more and more acutely like oh I'm it's just pain. Suddenly it's like there's a a visceral nature to that pain and and the practice right now is just to be with the pain and the the there's a word tantra the tantra or the continuity of the experience is just to see what this this pain turns into Oh yeah. Hi, it sounds powerful and frightening uh did you work to study to find out what w- you could expect before you went through this you you mentioned some physiological changes did you were you prepared at all for for the, some of these experiences yeah, I and mean, it kind of sounds like an acid trip <laughs> Uh, the short answer is yes. The short answer is that uh, the mo- as I said, the moment that I clicked the send button, uh, you're being cooked by the. Ex- I was being cooked by the experience, so there was kind of a build up. And to on along these lines, there was one teaching that I knew to be my guiding teaching for the retreat, and that's um, it's from the awareness tradition known as Dzogchen in Tibetan, and it's just the view of there's the thinking mind, there's thoughts, and then there's awareness, there's being and presence. And as long as I'm in my thinking mind, as long as I'm thinking about, if I spend all week long thinking and wondering when I'll get over, it's going to be a very long week. And so the practice, as I understood it, as I felt it, would be just to let all the thinking go for the week, but the only way to let all the thinking go would to be in my be directly in my body, and so that's uh in a sense as I would be more and more and breathe into my body more and more, that's where kind of the intensity would come from were you practicing uh tai Chi or yoga while you were in there i I was a little bit. uh, Actually, I never. I did a little bit of yoga, but I didn't really do a lot. A lot of what I did was shaking. (laughs) It it was. It just became an archetypal experience uh, that was became less and less planned. Uh, The more that the time went on, the more it morphed into whatever it was. The space would change. And whatever was happening was what would be happening. Well, as I, I said before, but <clears throat> you, you keep saying pain. I just wonder if, if fear is part of that or it's the same thing or if there's any distinguishing between the two. Mm-hmm. yeah i would say that if if pain is an onion fear would just be at the core of the onion and the week was basically a peeling of the layers of the onion and by day 6 what was really there was um you know in some sense my own crucifixion process with that I'm curious, except of the memories. Of, yeah, except of the memories of this intense, beautiful experience. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> what you brought home in terms of learning? I mean, a better understanding of yourself, your 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 feeling. What what you brought home from this experience? Mm-hmm. Well, I feel. Um, hmm. The truth is that I would say I'm forever changed by the experience um, on the nervous system level, on the somatic level. I don't ha- actually have so much memory. I do have spots of memory of the experience. But what I feel, what I would share with you all is just the, the truth that the emptying out of the tension, the relaxing through the tension, um, is a real thing that you can learn how to do. And underneath the tension, there's a quality of ease that's new for me, and is making life better. You do it again. Absolutely. Is there a um, specific uh, exit mode, like in the last 24 hours or whatever? Something special happens so that you can face the world. Yeah. Well, you know, I I did uh, there were I did have a whole community of people who knew that I was doing the retreat. And there was a sense at the very end of the retreat, sometimes I would feel the group consciousness. And at the very end of the retreat, I just felt everyone with me. And there was I didn't do a lot of meditation. I did some meditation. Okay. <laughs> I, I I would do a couple sessions of meditation every day, but the last period of the retreat, as the, as my nervous system calmed down, there was a sense of like, okay, this is what I'm here for. And the last sit, the last stretch uh, from the evening until the morning, you, um, I should mention this. Um. There's a great way that you come out of the retreat, which is you come out uh, at dawn at 5.30 in the morning, and you watch the sunrise. And a very interesting thing is when you open the door, your eyes are so unfocused and dilated that for the first 10 or 15 minutes, there was no depth perception and everything was meticulously like sparkling clear like a like a like it had just snowed and everything was so fresh yeah I can't talk into that I'm allergic to the sorry the microphone so I think just with this um, just as we end the portion of the talk I just want to invite just this uh, question for everyone in the audience you know it doesn't have to be a darkness retreat but the piece I would offer to you is just to notice where you're holding back from being with yourself Because wherever that is, that's your darkness retreat. And I would invite, however you want to, to find a container in which you can be in that process. That was the one piece that my teacher Reggie has said to us over and over and over again, the practice is just not to exit. the practice is not to exit. So let's just sit for a moment and just let everything settle. This last sitting, let's bring let's bring our love to our heart center. Just letting the breath come into the heart. And as you breathe, see if you can feel the quality of light. See if you can feel the openness. Last minute, let's just open our heart to everyone in this room and everyone that's not in this room. beings everywhere, be happy, may they be peaceful, may they be free of suffering. I want to read this quote. This quote can just send us into the night. Remember the clear light. The pure, clear, white light from which everything in the universe comes, to which everything in the universe returns. The the original nature of your own mind. The natural state of the universe unmanifest. Let go into the clear light. Trust it. Merge with it. It is your own true nature, it is home. Just one more piece is uh, if you're interested in learning more, um, I'm also going to be offering uh, in starting in April um, some retreats along these lines, working with energy and uh, somatics and embodiment process and meditation. So feel free. um, I'll just put a a sheet in the back if you want to leave your name and contact information. uh, Can do that. Thanks, everyone.